Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. they weather through it, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just lift them up, Father. I pray this, Lord, in your Son's name, I come against every distraction of the enemy. No assignment of the enemy will be fulfilled this morning. God, you have given us victory, Father, and we stand and declare victory this morning, God. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory, God. In Jesus' name, we say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn around, greet your neighbor. Go ahead and have a seat this morning in God's presence. Amen. Amen. And I'd just like to welcome you here. If you're here for the first time visiting, on behalf of our lead pastor, Pastor Ruben Reyna, we'd just like to welcome you. And after, your, after your, uh, our service today, we, we have a little something for you outside in the, in the grass area They'd like to introduce themselves to you. So please, please take the time to just uh, get to know us a little bit better. Amen. You'll find out that we're some good people. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just want to wish my brother Rico a happy birthday. Uh, I, I, got to spend, uh, I got to spend Friday with him. He lives up in uh, Northern California, in Lindsay, California, beautiful city there. It's got a nice five acres right there. So him and my uh, lovely sister-in-law, they welcomed us there. I, got, I hadn't been up there in like 20 eight years. And uh, I see my brother, uh, you know, throughout the year sometimes, but I haven't been out there to go see him. So me and my siblings went out to spend some time with him and just, you know, just love each other. How many know that family is important? Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. How many, how many grandparents do we have here? Raise your hand. Grandpa, I'm a grandfather. I love, oh, you know, my, my grandchildren are all six and under. I have five of them, and, I, and, and they love, you know, I, I like to spend as much time as, with them as much as possible because, you know, how many know that when they get a little older, amen, that, that tends to wear off, amen, they're not so uh, charming and they're not so welcoming, amen. Well, we know the Odells. Well, Grandma Odell, we called her, what do we call her, Rudy, Thelma? Melva, Melva Odell. Amen, her, Melva and Sister Gladys were sitting in the foyer, and they were sipping coffee, and they were just talking, and as the church was getting ready to start, they were talking, and Sister Gladys turns to Malva, and she says, you know, I just don't understand this generation. They are, you know what, uh, I just don't get them. She says, you know, I sent my, my granddaughter a nice check for her birthday. She did not call. She did not come and visit. She did, I, I just don't get it. Sister O'Dowd says, you know, she goes, I don't have that problem. I don't have that problem. I, I sent all my grandbabies a nice, nice check for their birthday. Two days, three days after they received that check, they come and visit me. You're lying. How is that possible? How do you get your grandchildren to come and see you? She said, very easy. I just don't sign the check. <laughs> Little thought for you grandparents. Amen. If your grandchildren tell you to get grandma, you gotta get you gotta get Venmo. Tell them no, you gotta come and see me. <laughs> this morning I have the honor of ministering. This morning I want to speak. We're continuing on in the wellness of the church. Uh, 
great messages throughout the, the month. Pastor Ruben started it off. Pastor Soto, Pastor Sandoval uh, spoke on the, the mindset. Uh, Pastor uh, Soto spoke on the, the, the body of Christ as a wellness. This morning, how many know, how many water drinkers here do we have this morning? Amen. About one third of you. Amen. Water is essential. It is essential. Look, I know people who don't drink a drop of water, coffee and power drinks and all these things. Now, your body is going to take what it needs, and the rest it's going to store into fat. So if you drink a Coca-Cola, you're getting about 10 teaspoons of sugar. Now, if it wasn't for the ascorbic acid, you would have like a sugar rush and be bouncing off the wall. But water, your body needs water. Now, when you look at the Word of God, the Word of God mentions water many, many times, over 700 times in the Word of God. The water represents the Word of God, and it also represents salvation. Now, I want to minister this morning, and the title is, is Come to the Well. We all can relate to having that one conversation with somebody, and in that conversation, they made a life long impact on your life. It may have been the person who witnessed to you and brought you to Christ and brought you to the understanding that, you know what, I do need that in my life. Or it may have been a grandparent or it may have been a a relative who spoke to you and says, look, you're going down the wrong path. You need to do this with your life. You need to do this. And you start to think about it and it changes your life and it changes the course that you've gone to. Now, here in the Bible, in the book of John, if you'll turn with me there, chapter 4, I want to read this scripture, and then we're going to go into it a little further. John chapter 4, verse 13, it reads this. It says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into an everlasting life. Right here in this scripture, we know the story very well of the Samaritan woman. We hear how this woman came to the well at a certain hour of the day. And on that journey she did not realize that she was going to have an encounter with the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Some of you here this morning, you can recall the time because many of us were not looking for God. We were not looking for change. The majority of us felt that we were okay, that we'll work it out. You know, once I get over this hump, once I uh, iron this out, once I get over this addiction, once I get over this depression and all these things, things will get a lot better. But it wasn't until you came to Jesus that you realized that you were just swimming upstream without a paddle, that you needed Jesus, that you needed something greater than your your process or your plans. I like what the Passion Translation says. It says, Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks of the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. See, we're familiar with this passage of Scripture of the Samaritan woman at the well. 
See, the story begins as Jesus and his disciples are traveling through Jerusalem from the south to the north to Galilee to make the journey shorter. They make a cut through Samaria. Now, it was here in Samaria where Jesus was going to encounter this woman. Now, you studying when you find out the hour of day that she went to this well was at the noon hour, which was going to be the hottest day of the, uh, the hottest time of the day. Now, there was a reason why that she went at this hour. We read the scriptures and it talks about her having five husbands. Not one, but five. And then that the person that she was with was not her husband. She got to a point where she says, you know, we're not even going to do marriage. We're just going to shack up. And Jesus called her on this. You know, one person said, look, if by marriage four, at some point in time, you got to think that you have the problem. (laughs) Tired and thirsty. Jesus sat at Jacob's well while his disciples went to the village to go get some food. About a half a mile away. The hottest part of the day and the Samaritan woman comes to the well at this inconvenient time to draw water. Some scholars refer to her as a jaded woman. A woman who was deeply hurt. Bad relationships. Looked upon it by the town people as, as, a, as a homewrecker, as somebody who was, who was like an outcast. You can imagine walking through the town with her, her jugs and, and just all she wanted to simply do was go fill the need of having water in her family, but only to have people look at her. Probably crossed the street, didn't want nothing to do with her. Jaded, an outcast. How many here can associate with that that when you were not at your best that there were people who would avoid you people who would say you know what uh, don't let that person don't trust that individual don't let them in your house because you know what they got sticky fingers don't let them uh, come around because they're no good but Jesus had another plan and like this woman Jesus was gonna give her what she desired the most You see, sometimes we don't even know the need that we have until we have a conversation with Jesus. We don't know what needs we lack until we come to Jesus. Now, there were three things, three customs that Jesus broke on this day. Now, I could imagine that if the religious sect had seen what he was doing, that they would have even more cause to speak against him. See, Jesus always went against the grain. He always went against it. Some refer to him as a rebel. He didn't care what people thought about him. He didn't care what people would speak about him. Because he was going to meet the needs that needed to be taken place. The first one that he broke was that he, and despite her being a woman, he took the time and the opportunity to speak to her. The second thing that he broke, the uh, the custom that he broke, was that Jewish Tradition had it against it where they would not speak to the Samaritan people. Now, the Samaritan people had a form of godliness. Remember when she tells him that, you know what, uh, about being Jacob's well? Are you greater than the one who built this well? See, when Jesus knew this, that she had a, a form of God, 
but she denied the power. She didn't fully understand who she was speaking with. Jesus later had to tell her, he says, if you knew who was telling you this, you wouldn't be asking these questions. But how many know that when you spend more time with Jesus, he starts to reveal his plan and purpose for your life. You will have a greater understanding. The third thing that, she had, that, that Jesus had done is that he asked her to give him a drink of water. He sat there. He was thirsty. See, a lot of times we see Jesus as this, you know, being, this holy being. But Jesus had needs. Jesus got tired. Jesus got thirsty. So when he asked her to give him a drink, ceremonial, it would have made him unclean. Jewish custom. But Jesus doesn't care about the laws. Jesus didn't care about the customs. He didn't care about any of those things because the need that she had was greater than anything that he could, that he could not give her. So here we have this one. See, on this day, this day, Jesus was going to reveal a need. And this is a need that we all had here. That she was spiritually parched and thirsty. How many here have ever gone throughout the day without anything? And you feel it, man. You just, you, your lips are dry, man. You, you just feel like, man, your, your mouth is just shrinking and, you, and, you're, and you're thirsty. And, man, you, you're, you're visioning like just walking into and just getting that cold water and just drinking it. And you're picturing it and picturing it. And then it doesn't happen. You just lick your lips. And you're so desperate. See, when we were kids, water hoses were good. Water hoses were good. Now everybody, water is a billion, billion dollar corporation. A billion dollars. And the majority of these water companies, they, it's the same water, just different bottles. Like if, if I had three bottles up of here, I had just a, a geyser, if I had a Voss, and I had an a Evian, everyone will go for the other two because the bottle looks so much nicer. How many know it's on, what's, it's on the inside, not at the outside of the car? Amen. So we say that water represents salvation in God's word. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Therefore with joy... Shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation? See, the human body needs, to, needs water to sustain a healthy life. You and I need that, that wellness to come to the well and draw from Jesus. See, you can live without water for three days. You can live without food for up to 30 days. You can live without air for no less than three minutes. Amen. I don't know, but rumor is, is that you can't live without Facebook for 30 minutes. <laughs> I don't want to live without Jesus for 30 seconds. See, I know that I need to tap into the well of Jesus. I know that for in order to sustain a healthy walk with God, I need to draw from the well. I need to come to Jesus. I need that relationship. See, when an individual comes to the understanding that you cannot do anything without God's help, that is where you begin to grow. See, the process is, is that where God has brought us in to the house of God and starts to transform our lives, it is to get you to a point where you draw closer to God. 
Our mission as ministers is to bring you to a greater relationship with God. It's to bring you to the point where you rely solely on God. Where you're not having to call everybody, reach out to everybody for prayer. This is where you come to the realization where you said, you know what? Without God, I cannot do anything. Without God, I cannot do whatever he's called me to do. And then you realize that with God, I can do anything. With God, I can do that. With God, I'm able to just go into this area and just, you know, minister the gospel. And just and knowing that the gospel is going to one that's going to transform a life. So you could have a beautiful, soft voice. You could have a great personality, but if you don't have the anointing of God, your words will fall. God is calling you and I to come to that place in our life where we say, you know what? Only you, God, only you can satisfy this thirst that I have. Isaiah chapter 41, turn with me there. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17. It says, the afflicted and needy are seeking water, but there is none. And their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. I will open up rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. He is the one who sustains us. He is. Think back to when you first came to Christ and the development that God has brought you through. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. You're here because God has a plan for you. I often hear this from people like, I don't understand what God has in store for me. When you seek him with all your heart, he will let you find him. He will let you find him. When you get to a point in your walk with God where you say, you know, God, I need to know more of you. I need to know you greater. When you get to that point in your life, you will, God will start to unfold to you what it is that he has in store for you. But see, well, many times we don't want to get to that point. How many have ever, man, you don't want to know. What I don't know won't hurt me. Right? No bills is a good thing. We, 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 we just say like no news is good news. That's the reason why a lot of us won't go to the doctors. Because we, we don't want to know the truth. Oh, yeah, that bump's going to go away all by itself. No, you need to seek out help. You need to seek help. There are people that God puts in place to help you. He puts them there for a reason. It's like, hey, man, you know what? If you're praying for help, God's going to put you before the right people. That's always my prayer. God put them before the right people. The people who are going to help you find your healing, find your answers. God is going to place you right before them. See, God will put it in your reach. He won't put it in your hand. See, in our text, Jesus will address her need. Jesus will always meet you at the lowest point in your life to reveal to you that the need, whether it be physically or spiritually, she needed water, but spiritually she was dehydrated. Have you ever felt so dehydrated 
heat stroke, man, you're out on the bed. If you go to Disneyland and it's over 100, man, you're, you're that one person that's sitting on the bench in the shade, you know, drinking that $10 bottle of water. <laughs> and you don't care how much it costs because you know what? You're thirsty. Even though there's fountains all over Disneyland, you won't drink that. You got to have the $10 water. <laughs> John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus is all we need to sustain a healthiness in your spiritual walk. See, she was jaded. She had been hurt in her personal life, one bad relationship after another. Married five times, hated by many, ashamed of her life. Then Jesus encounters her, not to condemn her, not to belittle her, not to shame her into repentance, but to teach her that the thirst that she was seeking to quench was spiritual and not physical. See, we don't fully understand. When I came to Christ many years ago, I didn't really know what was taking place. I was young. I felt like, man, I'm, a, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy like these guys over here. You know, I'm just starting out. And I just didn't feel that, you know, what, what, what is it that, you know, that I had to repent of? But when you draw close to God, God starts to reveal to you your need. You start to see, man, that you had that that root of bitterness, that you had that root of unforgiveness. You had that root of hatred in your heart. And it was there. And if it's not addressed, what happens is it starts to grow. And when it starts to grow on the inside, it starts to manifest on the outside. You could look at the continence of a person and say, you know what, that person is sad, that person is bitter, angry, whatever. Because it all takes place in the inside. See, when you take care of the inside, God starts to blossom the outside. That God starts to say, you know what, I, I want to give you an exchange. You give me that heart of stone, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. You give me that heart of hatred and unforgiveness, and I'm going to give you a heart of love. And then you're able to see through the eyes of Christ, where you're able to look at an individual and say, you know what, I no longer hate them. See, some of the people that you haven't forgiven, they don't even know why you're mad at them. They don't know, but you hold on to it. Now, as long as you hold on to it, you own it. You own it. And it, it stays there. And sometimes that's why it's hard to come into the house of God and freely worship him. And freely lift up your hands because you know that you have something. Sometimes we push it to the back. Your family, a member may have hurt you. And they're long gone, but you still have the hurt and the pain. God's telling you, let it go. Come to the well. Let me take that from you and I'll give you some refreshing. I'll give you a heart of love and you will be able to fully, fully appreciate the forgiveness of God. See, we love when God forgives us. We love when we know that we've done something that God says, you know what, I've forgiven you. I don't remember it no more. I toss it into the deepest part of the ocean. But yet when we can hold somebody hostage by not forgiving them, Oh, but you know what? They don't, you don't know how bad it hurts. No, God knows. When somebody asks me to pray for them, I tell them, look, I don't need to know all the details. 
But I do know this, is that if you give it to God, God will take it. God will lift it. God will restore you and give you that peace. How many love the peace of God that God has given you? How many love the fact that you have that, you know what, that, that weight off of your shoulders? And that you could say, you know what, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes when you're standing up here and I look across and I see some people crying. And I see some people just, you know, distracted. And I see that a different, you see it. You know, but there, you never have to leave the same way you came in. It's our choice. We could come and say, you know what, Lord God, man, Saturday was horrible. Nothing went right, man. I, I blew my testimony at the soccer game. <laughs> blew it. And then you know what, you, 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 man, you just say, man, and then you're leaving and you got that, you know what, all those Jesus stickers on your car. <laughs> and they're like, oh, <laughs> Papa Grouch over there yelling at the referees over there. He's a hallelujah. But you know what, Sunday morning, and you say, you know what, God, your mercies are new every day. Man, Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Lord, let me not be who I was yesterday, who I was the day before. That was even worse than yesterday. The day before that, I was bad. I love it when God, you know what, God, I told this to a person. He says, you know, I feel bad because I did this, this, and this. I said, you know, the fact that you feel convicted is a good thing because the Holy Spirit is trying to correct you. Now, whether you listen or not, that's up to you. That's your choice. You could hold on to it as long as you want, but I could, I could encourage you and say, look, if you let it go, God will take it. God, will, God man, God, it, it's your choice on how you want to leave these doors. See, she was all messed up by the world's standards, and she knew this. She knew it. She felt the shame. She felt, she heard the whisper. She heard all the things that were said about her, and by the world standards, nobody would blame anybody for that. You know, she probably had to go through that town knowing that, man, man, today's the day I got to draw water. Please don't let so-and-so be there. Please let everybody be in their houses at that hour so I can just get my water and leave. Sometimes we come to the church and we feel so weighted, so convicted, so condemned that we just say, you know what, I just want to get church over with. I want to sit in the back and I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to just come to church and just know that I came to church today. But I'm going to leave the same way. And Jesus says it doesn't have to be that way. If you come to the well. If you come to the well. See, the encounter that he had with her was not to condemn her. See, one of the, the reasons we're so afraid because as children, some of us, the majority of us, growing up, going to church, not growing up in church, but going to church, we felt that guilt as you walked in. You felt like, man, you know, I'm in a holy place. And you felt like, you felt like God was just like going to speak. The heavens were going to open up and all the nonsense that you did was going to be revealed. You feel that. As kids, you would feel that. And so when you went to church, you had that certain fear, reverence, 
Where you was like, man, you just wanted to get it over with. But see, when you come to Christ, that peace, I can't explain it. It gives us a description in the scriptures that how it feels. But to have that full understanding, you have to see for yourself. So what is the well? There's the well of purpose. One person says, if we have a purpose, God has a plan. We know the scripture so well, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says he has a plan for a future and a hope. See, the reason why the, the book, The Purpose Driven Life, sold over 50 million copies, because that's the need that society has. It's like, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? Why do I exist? You exist because God created you. You exist to worship God. Until you come to that realization and understanding, you will always be searching for the purpose of life. There are books after books after books dealing with what is my purpose in life. If you Google the word purpose, you will get a thousand titles to books of what it is, why you are here. Back in the 90s, they came out with the, the, the movement as loving yourself. That the reason that why you have all these things is because you don't love yourself. So people started turning inwardly and started worshiping themselves. Oh, I'm going to love me. It's okay to love you. Amen. It's okay to, do you know, but if you're in love with you, if you have to spend so much time in, in front of the mirror saying how much you love you, you need to step back and realize it's not all about you. It's not all about you. You're so vain that you think this sermon is about you. So your purpose. Number two is the well of fulfillment. We look for fulfillment. We look for gratification, just satisfaction. So what do we do? We chase the dollar. We chase the dollar, we chase the career, we chase all these avenues, and we, we're looking for fulfillment. You will never experience fulfillment if it's outside of the will of God. Never. Never. I know people who make big bucks. Big bucks. I, I had patients who were multimillionaires. I had this one patient she had contracted a, a very deadly disease. And she was suing the drug manufacturer. And like these big drug companies, they drag it out for years. Well, she, her health started to fail. And I remember when she was in the hospital and we were told that she wasn't doing good. Her health had made a turn for the worse. I remember leaving the office and I crossed the street to the hospital and I went to go visit her. She just got news that she had won a $5 million settlement. And she said, you know what, Tony? I'm not going to be around to see any of this. I would give it all away just if I could live long enough to see my grandchildren walk down the aisle. What is important in life? Some of us, we chase all those things that, and we lose out on our children. I love, like I said being a grandfather. I have a sign on my porch that said, if I knew grandchildren were this fun, I would have had them first. <laughs> and I teased my daughter. I said, you know what? 
I'm going to love on these kids because I don't know which one of these kids is going to have to make a life or death medical decision for me. (laughs) These kids will grow up. What you impart into them. Let them see you loving God. Let them see you loving grandma. Let them see you being a part of the body of Christ. Those are the valuable things that they are going to learn. You know what? I'm not against education. I encourage it. But it's never to take the place of your relationship with God. The fulfillment that you have is only through Christ Jesus. In Jeremiah 2 verse 3, it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, jugs, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. See, the people of Judah had dug cisterns of idolatry and immorality. See, what well are we drawing from? Are we drawing from the well of fulfillment? Are we drawing from the well of purpose? Are we finding what it is, God, that pleases you? See, the one thing that I saw in this portion of Scripture in John chapter 4 is that when she realized who Jesus was and what he had to offer her, the Bible says that she left her jug. The Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. I could tell you how wonderful this tastes, but unless you try for yourself, you will not understand it. God has given us all the opportunity to draw from the well. Some wells are contaminated. You must be careful. What contaminates the water is sin, pride, little things that grow into big things. See, very soon, we will come to an end. The legacy that we leave behind, it'll carry on. Stand with me here this morning. Like this woman who's tasted of the living waters. Once you taste, you won't go back to the old wells. You won't go back to the things that didn't fulfill you. That's always a temptation to, you know what, this is not working out. This is not, you know what, uh, I signed up for. You know what, it was great the first few months, but now... I'm finding out what trials are. I'm finding out how persecuted I'm getting. How not everybody's happy that I'm serving Jesus. All that aside, all that aside, you have the choice to serve God. Every day, every day. This morning, you're here. For whatever reason, you're here. Maybe you came with your spouse. You said, you know what? My husband, he's serving the Lord. And I just came to support. Or maybe you're here this morning and you walked from God. Or whatever reason. 
trials hit. Man, the pandemic came and I just stopped coming to church. And you know what? I drifted away. If that's you here this morning, you say, Anthony, I want to come. I need to come back to the well. I'm not satisfied with anything else. I want to experience Jesus. If that's you here this morning, I want you to step out of your chair. Step out of your aisle and come down here. I want to pray with you. Backslider. Don't stay away too long. Make it right. Make it right. If you're with somebody and they, you know that they have a need in their life for salvation, lean over to them. Tell them, I'll go up there and pray with you. We all had to come. You know, when Jesus called somebody, it was always in public. Why? He says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. I'm going to hold out a little longer. Irene, Tony, bring Irene up here. Hallelujah. I'm going to wait a few minutes more. Hallelujah. I'm going to say a prayer. The Bible says if we say this prayer in our heart and we believe it, that we shall be saved. Hands raised. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning in need of salvation. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your precious blood. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And this day, I confess you before man, before heaven, as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap off this morning.